Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Barbarella. Barbarella. Barbarella, she's like fucking Wonder Woman or something. How does the song go? Ooh, titties in space. Barbarella, <laughs> look at her sexy piggies. Ooh. <laughs> you don't, don't like sexy piggies? Piggies. You, you got kids, or do you call them piggies? Like the toes and stuff? Are you focusing on her feet? Do is entirely I mean, no guesting this week. I was just I, when a naked lady comes on screen, I avert my eyes to the nearest, most acceptable thing. <laughs> just straight to the feet. Oh dear. Oh, dear. Uh, oh, I guess I'm looking at her lovely toenails. That that's enough. <laughs> that's enough sexiness. Just lovely toes. Yes, just the right amount of sexuality. Oh, and, uh, I saw a nipple. Mm, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's perfect intro. Uh, hello, welcome to the show. Uh, with me to chat about a film is uh, floating space moron, um, Jamie. <laughs> oh, I wasn't ready. That's good. Uh, also, hairy child catcher Anthony. <laughs> hello. Jesus and uh, sultry sex vixen, Abigail. Thank you. Unusually kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and me, evil tyrant sex organ <laughs> maniac. <laughs> um, yeah, so this week uh, I selected the film and I selected the psychedelic sci-fi sex dream that is Barbarella from 19... Didn't actually ask anyone else to do the detail, so I guess I'm doing it. So yes, this week uh, the film is Barbarella from 1968 and it was an X certificate, I think. Although it should have been called triple X. Am I right, guys? <laughs> Dirty. Um, no, it's not that bad. It's just... Just a bit pervy, isn't it? Um, but anyway, the top billing cast, as IMDb apparently calls them, are Jane Fonda, John Philip Law, Anita Pallenberg, I want to say, Milo O'Shea, Marcel... Sorry, his clown makeup on it really threw me. Marcel... Marcel Masso. Marcel Masso. I mean, I'm sure he's a famous clown, but... He's a mine... A mime. Oh yeah, sure. But he spoke in this. The famous mime. But he fucking spoke all up the joint. He was just some fucking old (laughs) old man in a loincloth in a creepy maze. Anyway, he was Professor Ping. Which sounds like a mime's name. Anyway. Marcel Musso. Yeah, yeah. Claude Daphne. uh, Is that enough of them? Oh, sorry. Alright. Claude Dauphin. And... Hang on. Please don't forget David Hemmings. And David Hemmings, MVP of this piece. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was just brilliant and surprisingly shallow eyebrows for a change. And yes, a, and, missing, missing his gladiator um, pointed eyebrows. That's I, just I his eyebrows. That's I, just. I know. I, <laughs> David Hemmings is I basically the gravelly voiced. 
British. It turns up being British gangster films a lot of the time. Just and then this, it's night and day, isn't it? He's nothing like what, what I had in as I remember him, which is his latter years. He was nothing like that. Yeah, I had coincidentally watched Gladiator for the first time in in years because uh, my wife had never seen it, so we got it on Blu-ray. Um, unrelated, it still holds up pretty well. It's still pretty good. But yeah, David Hemmings, I saw the name in the credits and like his face was vaguely familiar. I was like, why? Why is this ringing so many bells? And then I googled him, and I was like, "His fucking eyebrows! I know exactly who this is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this he's got more of a, um, he's got a Rick Mayall vibe, I would say. In this, yeah, it's a little bit Rick Mayall. He also looks vaguely like uh, Roger Taylor, the drummer from Queen. Sure, sure, sure. Only more leathery and sexual. Only slightly, I guess. Um, anyway, it's directed by Roger Vadmin, and uh, I think the book was written by Jean-Claude Forrest that this was based on and adapted uh, into a screenplay by Terry Southern and more well, fucking people, who cares? It's Barbarella from it 1968, was, you get it. It was a comic book. Comic book, right, right, right. Which, yeah, I mean, a comic book in the same way that, like, Flash Gordon was a comic book. Uh, like, a really weird, old, like, sci-fi adventure weirdness. Uh, yeah, Flash Gordon didn't have tits in it, though. Well, it had, it had, it had masculine tits. It was full of uh, hot-bodied aliens. Was the, I got, a, like, an, an annual of, like, Flash Gordon cartoons, and they're quite curt and bizarre. All of the little, like, four-panel comics. And uh, yeah, they're quite lots of the male form over and over again, the odd sexy female person. But yeah, I mean, this was. I think it's one of those things. Like, can you really complain if everyone's in their pants? Can you? You can complain. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely circumstances where everyone's in their pants, and you can definitely complain. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Barbarella is a fairly new discovery for me. I mean, I'd, I'd heard of it, but I didn't. You know, I knew it was some sort of. Uh, I thought it was like a either nineteen sixties, nineteen fifties kind of sci-fi camp thing, but I didn't actually know much about it. I, I put it in the same sort of category as Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, which was kind of boring, even though it should have been sexy and exciting. Um, and then I just I decided, Do you know what? I'm going to give this a little go. I like Jane Fonda. So, and then I was like, oh my fucking god, this is amazing. Uh, yeah, so that's what I... I just a new discovery to me, and I was like, I'm putting this to the guys. This was mental. <laughs> so, I mean, other than David Hemmings, but I knew that uh, Jane Fonda... I kind of knew her just for being a, like a political activist and like a big left-wing uh, mm-hmm. person for like making a difference and protesting and stuff. Obviously... There's like... Go on. There's a... There's... Like a handful of things that people know Jane Fonda for. It's this... uh, Being very politically active, especially in the 70s. Jane Fonda workouts in the 80s. The, like, VHS tapes of, like, dance workouts. More recently, the sitcom that she's in, Grace and Frankie... I don't know that one. 
Abby, I believe your favourite Jane Fonda thing is the film Nine to Five. Is that right? It is, which she produced, I think. She had, she definitely had a hand in the production, at least even if she wasn't recognised officially. Yeah, and that's nice because it's a kind of slightly feminist uh, comedy, you know, isn't it? It's it, it, the point of it is to be. Uh, you know, pro-women and to do a big piece that's focused heavily on funny women in comedy. Or, you know, well, a country singer and two funny women. Actually, no, that's not fair. Dolly Parton's funny in and of herself. Just, it, that that fits more in line with, you know, Jane Fonda feminist than some of this early work where she basically was uh, a, a mannequin for various weird costumes. That's she mentioned uh, in the wake of Barbarella, that as as uh, it went on, she became more and more unhappy with how it was progressing and how the character was turning out to be. Hmm. I will... Maybe that's why then. Um, like, her performance, it seems like she's... She's tried... Like, she came across as more competent than I was expecting when I watched this. They're harsh. Hmm. You make it sound like she shouldn't be competent. No, no, I... I mean, I wasn't giving the film a lot of credit going in. I thought, oh, God, she's going to be, like, a weirdly inf- infantilized, like, sex kitten. Which but she was, but she also was dice. She didn't play it like that. She did uh, fall over a lot, uh, though. Yeah, so do I, though. Yeah, but do you fall but over... There was the... just Sorry, there was just... I know what Jamie says. There was just something in her performance which had... Like just like like confidence and intelligence, even she, though she was supposed to be like really ditzy. She gave it a dignity that it didn't deserve. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, Anthony, what what were your expectations coming into this one? Um, I'm guessing similar to you. I did watch about twenty minutes of this film. A long time ago, like on like a Sunday night, and then you came, and... so you stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, but that would like maybe a, maybe stopped... once the angel was in it anyway. <laughs> I, I like I started in the middle, and then like one of the bits was like the angel, and ah, I just I wasn't I wasn't following, and it was all a bit ah. mental and looked a bit like um, cheap. Yeah, um, that feeling continues. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 60s um, sci-fi TV show kind yeah, of thing, yeah. and I just turned off. To... Uh, but I, I yeah. you know, like I do. It's a famous film. Um, I've always kind of wanted to rewatch it, knowing that it was going to be really camp and a bit mental. Yeah, that that yeah, that is the same as me. It was like I kind of know about this, but I obviously don't know the full experience. Um... Ah, but you hadn't seen this. This was the first time for you as well, right? No, I had seen it, but when I was too young to understand. Oh, the, the, oh, this is going to be... Not that this can be understood, actually, but there was, <laughs> I was too young to understand certain references. You, should, should you shouldn't be exposed to this at a young age. <laughs> it would explain a lot, to be perfectly honest. It would create some weird sexual fantasies for growing up, I would have thought. Luckily, you know, you're... I don't know. I don't know what we'll find out as it goes on. What it made Ad, what what feelings it stirred in Abby's uh, libido, <laughs> if, if any. Um, Jimmy, you a Barbarella aficionado or? 
no. I... This is one of those ones that I've been aware of forever. Like, one of those films that I... Despite having never seen somehow know a lot about, because it's something that is... You know, it's it's one of the it's one of the pillars of the idea of cult movies. Like it's it's like a Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of adjacent film. Um, but I'd only seen, I think when I was a which I when I was a teenager, it was like in my early teens, it was on one night, and I I saw like the opening credits and the bit where she's stuck in the in the sex organ, mm-hmm. which as a you know. As, a, as an early teenage uh, straight boy, those are the, the, all the scenes you need. Um, <laughs> but I knew, like, knew like vague stuff about it. Um, but apart from that and the 1996 song from Scott Weiland's first solo album. Bar- which is also called Barbarella and is vaguely about-ish the film. Hmm. Uh, no, I had very little experience with this. Um, although, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, um, there are there are two separate connections to two of my staples oh, go on. with this. Because Jane Fonda was one of the original choices for the mother in The Exorcist. Tenuous, but well done. And... <laughs> Uh, whenever they were considering doing, I think, a sequel or possibly like a remake of this in the early 90s, Sherilyn Fenn was one of the uh, choices to play Barbarella, and she was uh, Audrey Horn, one of the main characters in Twin Peaks. So your connections to both Exorcist and Twin Peaks are, they were also considered to be in parts. So that's great. That's yes. really well done there. That's a little bit more than six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's sure. Been, it's been a while since I've managed to pull one of those two things in. I hope, you're, I hope mm. you're pleased with yourself. Extremely. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll pootle our way through the plot um, such that it is. Oh, well, I choose my words weirdly. Um... And we'll just we'll bring up little things that are worth discussing because there's so many. What the flying fuck is that? Um, I should have perhaps said at the explanation of uh, the credits and stuff, but basically it's uh, an astronaut woman is sent on a mission to uh, stop uh, a scientist who may have a weapon or the ability to use a dangerous weapon. That could put positronic ray some bullshit, yeah. Positronic. Yeah. <laughs> some some scientist may have gone to a planet of primitive weirdos, and may cause global or galactic trouble if he unleashes his weapon. And perhaps uh, Barbarella can go along and sort it all out. Thanks. Also, that guy is called Duran Duran. For some fucking reason. And everyone instantly well, starts thinking of Simon Le Bon. Yeah, Duran Duran named themselves after this character, but they took off the two end Ds. To copyright reasons? or I don't know. Pro- maybe, I think it just sounds better, because Durand Durand sounds better. Sounds yeah, weird, even when Duran Duran does. Even when people say it in the film, you don't really hear that 
D at the end of it. So yeah, you've it like the group Duran Duran has eclipsed the fame of the random scientist with his sex organ. <laughs> Um, so it was, it just, it sort of, it, it seemed odd, like, obviously, having heard of Duran Duran before watching this film. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, of all the people to pick, it's probably the, I mean, I, none of the other names are particularly great. What's that fucking, Professor Pip or something? Or what? Ping. 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 Pro, actually, Professor Ping could be a, a kind of cool band name. Well, don't forget that uh, David Hemming's character is also called Dildano. For, I mean, just change a few letters there. <laughs> <laughs> make your make make your band called Dildo or something. Um, Dildo Dan. Dildo Dan. Dildo Dano. Dildo Dildo Don. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Barbarella. Amazingly matured so far. Well, I mean, I haven't even uh, I haven't even got to nudity yet. We have, uh, well, uh, fail. Right. Let's see, you guys, get a fucking grip. Blocked. Unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So yes, uh, Barbarella is, I guess the term to use is astronaut, and she's of some sort of, she's competent, that's, we we don't really know the context, it doesn't, it's one of those like, it doesn't really worry about explaining everything to you, it just throws you in the deep end, Um, but essentially she's an astronaut. And she is at least held in high regard by the some sort of Earth president. I'm not quite sure what the politician is in charge of. Yeah. Or Earth realm, or whatever the fuck we call it now, right? Yeah, it's all just vague sci-fi terms. Boss of the galaxy that we're all from in the in the distant future. He Skype calls her on her ornate fucking statue video phone, and is like, Barbarella, busy, important shit's going down, don't get dressed, don't put clothes on, we'll have, it's fine, it's in the enlightened future, Barbarella, no one's no one's putting clothes on, I mean, I've got clothes on, but you don't need to rush and put your clothes on, I have to send you on an important mission, and that's basically where we, you know, we, we start, but... You know, the first first bit is uh, Jane Fonda doing a, a sexy striptease at zero gravity. So, how did people feel about the probably the sexiest opening of a film ever? I just want to mention that it. I feel like it's a spiritual cousin to in Candy when he was just on the bottom of the car, just going neat and licking up whiskey off the floor. <laughs> it's definitely in the same uh, collection of psychedelic, sexy nonsense, isn't it? I yeah. mean, this is far better than that. It's got creativity and e- effort in some places. And a vague story that you can kind of follow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wait, no, sorry. I was thinking of the wrong bit. I met Later on when she's on the bed and you're seeing from underneath is the bit I was thinking of there. I do apologise. Oh, the oh, so when she's uh, yeah, we'll come we'll come to that. But yeah, the first bit is quite an impressive zero, well, sort of zero gravity. I, I actually, this this there's so much in the first opening section to talk about. I don't know. I'm like mention the inside out fucking hairy anus of Dougal that she flies around in, and it's like no, Rich, <laughs> no focus. I, I mean, we can talk about her spaceship interior in a second, 
But the important thing is, this is probably one of the coolest opening sequences. What did you guys make of it? Yeah, I, I was quite fascinated by it. I was just watching it going like, how are they doing that in like 1968? It looks yeah, good, right? Was, because like, it, I was impressed yeah. by that as well. Um, although I did notice at some point it was like her hair wasn't moving. So mm. it's like, obviously she wasn't upside down. Um, so I think it was like a camera trick. I think she must have been like lying down. Oh, and then the camera was, was above uh, her. You've nailed there it. Was, you see what I mean? That is what they yeah. did, yeah. She was uh, from... Still, our... it, looked, it looked really good. Yeah, essentially, uh, we have this astronaut floating about and some cool music playing about uh, Wonder Woman okay, and stuff. Okay, hang on. No, hang on. Maybe I'm a heathen uh, here. But, God almighty, the music made me want to fucking pull my teeth out watching this film. Well, not everyone's into but sort in of... in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> in a groovy All baby Austin Powers through. way. Yeah. All the way through, the music was so obtrusive. Yes. Like, <laughs> even, even despite all the mental things going on, the music was to the fore at all points. Yeah. And I kind of loved it. So loud. <laughs> and so pop. It was like 60s poppy, like schmaltzy rubbish and quite weird yeah. at times. Yeah. But like the, the, the point is there's a quite a bizarre, ugly look, schlumpy, ugly looking astronaut costume floating around in a big fuzzy uh, spaceship interior. Um, and then music playing and this. And then basically we see uh, the astronauts strip tease uh, at zero G's and throw off all the different compartments and leg bits and, and even like the the visor sort of unblacks itself like it kind of like I don't know what would you like it's like one of those pens where you tip it and all the the woman gets yeah. naked like on her visor was, you know? like, the visor was actually one of the things that because most most of the special effects in this are just sort of um, you know kind of whatever. 1960s cheap-ish well, like, special very, effects. Like, but, no, but that's not fair, because, like, I mean, they might be cheap, but it's... A lot of effort's got into them. Like, oh, there's yeah, no, huge, like, the, elaborate physical props yeah, are used. Some, yeah. And the, some of them are re, uh, really cool, but you, like, they're not confusing. The helmet one really fascinated me. Is it, like, a... Is it... Was the was the fishbowl on her head like two layers that they had like liquid in? Because that's what it looked like. Yeah. Do you remember like um, like old dolls used to come with like a like a um, a bottle so you could feed them? And yeah. Then you tipped it upside down and the the water like the milk disappeared. I yeah. think it's the same thing where there's like a really thin layer along the outside which contains the liquid and you turn that's it up. That's what I. And it, like, That's disappears. what I thought it was. Yeah. But it creates for quite a unusual uh, effect. And, yeah, so uh, as the spacesuit uh, comes off, maybe you're surprised. I mean, you shouldn't be. It's called Barbarella, and there's a picture of a sexy woman on the front so of the poster and stuff. So, basically, we get this this striptease and the weird music, and all, all of the uh, credit letters are sort of flying around and covering her sexy parts occasionally, but then it's also like, oh, go on, have a little cheeky look at her boobies <laughs> and her bum and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, like... It is kind of 
with the music and everything and the credits, it is it does put you in mind of a um, almost a spoof of a James Bond intro. Like it does, yeah. and I know te- was it Terry Gross? I don't know Terry Southern. Who the fuck is Terry Gross? Terry Southern was involved in Casino Royale, wasn't he? I don't the, know. Like the 60s, the shit one. Um, mm. <laughs> it was, it's fucking shit. But um, uh, no, it has that very James Bond. And now I've said that out loud, all I can think of is a Bond film where like, either Roger Moore or Sean Connery does a striptease while floating in the... Space. I mean, at least give us, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know who to wish for really. Um, <laughs> Dan is would be the go-to, but no, I, I want sixty strongman, hairy Sean Connery. <laughs> I was about to say it would have been a real coup if they managed to get him to play Mark Hand, the guy who takes off the fur to reveal. Oh the wow! Yeah. Chest uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is like you know. Generally, we know that Sean Connery's up for a bit of Zardos n- nudity, so this very much could work in the same universe. It has the same sort of floaty, weird logic to concepts. Oh, um, the crossover I wish had been. Uh, yeah, and you know that Barbarella would be like, "Yeah, sure, we'll fuck whatever." <laughs> she kind of gets into it in this one. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's a spectacular opener, and uh, as Anthony was correctly guessing, it sounded like you were guessing rather than had looked up, uh, mm. Anthony. You surmised that it would be shot from above and on... I think they suggest they said that it was filmed where she was on plexiglass and it was shot from above to give the illusion, like, the back... You know, like... Mm. She was on plexiglass so that she could, ru- ru- like, manoeuvre around, giving the... Like, she moved slowly so that it looked like she was, you know, in space. And then also took her clothes off in a way that suggested they were floating rather than lying on a being slid across, you know, see-through plastic. So yeah, it was very creative and it, and and the performance made it look all the more genuine. But then once you know, you can sort of see the slight weirdness of it. And I, as you mentioned that the hair was like, okay, that's not floating around as it would as if they'd flown the set up in an aeroplane so that you know could because you could do that, couldn't you? You could basically film it on an aeroplane and go up high enough and then momentarily float if you don't want mm. to pay uh what's his chops he's doing space missions privately now what's his name like an elon musk isn't it elon musk could get it done for you floated up in space striptease yeah any excuse for him could, but then he might <laughs> accuse you of being a pedophile or something uh, he's a weird guy um but anyway i thought it was marvelous abby as a as a lady woman how did you feel about so early opening with some <laughs> we, we, great jade fonda's boobs now that we live in enlightened times and we we no longer discriminate we're ladies of the fairer sex <laughs> how do you how did you react to it was it we also like uh, bamboozled and aroused Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try and dance around and I was like, nah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so you, that's the thing. As a sequence, it has one goal. It achieved that goal. You, you Were you sort of thinking at this point, because very early on you're like, oh, I see, this is going to be uh, Confessions of a Sexy Astronaut or something, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> like, were you slightly worried it was going to be... Sorry, Abby. 
it sets out its stall perfectly. It's like, you know exactly what this film is going to be about. It's going to be science fiction. It's going to be about a sexy lady who is mostly undressed. Yeah. But is that a pro- was that like, oh, were you like, was your inner feminist going, tut? You boys and your silly films. I, it's got the same 20 minutes that every film gets. Well, actually not that one we watched the other day. That there was a, no, I shan't throw that film under the bus. We're talking about Barbarella. Every film gets 20 minutes. Within that 20 minutes, it managed to be funny. And therefore I was on board. Okay, that's yeah, that's I mean, that's yeah. the thing. The key to this is it would be all it would be awful and appalling. I mean, maybe some people think it is appalling, but it does have a through line of creativity and humour that stops it from being just exploitation. It it very much is about it's basically like sci-fi porn at times, but it does it's it's crucially trying to be original and weird and funny. It's I do think, and again, it putting it in that. Um, opening 20 minutes is it is a good kind of measuring stick for uh what keeps you kind of paying attention to the film uh, you know other than a man in the 1960s going into the cinema to like over some boobs but like um jane fonda's performance immediately whenever she starts talking to the guy on the communication screen or whatever like she already has like you can already tell she's putting like did anthony say or did you say she's putting in more effort than maybe it deserves (laughs) i think it's clear that she's going i'm going to have dignity in this yeah i'm actually a good actor I'm not just some bimbo who shagged a producer to get this. And I, she wasn't cast only because of her looks. I mean, that was obviously a factor. But she's also able to give Barbarella an extra bit of something. And she doesn't look like, I'm just remembering my lines and hitting my mark. Yeah. She's very much giving the character a grounding in... I don't know, what would you call it? Like, Like, it's sort of... She's not... I don't know what word would because, you guys use. Because she's naturally charismatic, she mm. carries a lot of the weight. You believe the fact that she's had previous missions, and you know him praising her for one being one of the best. Like there's there's a there's a weight that Jane Fonda does bring, even at the young age she is in this, and even though she's clearly at least to a point being exploited. Because um, within the first five minutes of the film, she's naked. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, she's she's she is bringing something to it that she maintains for the rest of the film. Even though it's sometimes it's almost like the film is trying to make her less competent than her performance suggests. Yeah, she, she it's like sometimes the story suggests she's a ditzy Barbie doll when actually, you know, she does get into trouble and need rescuing like a classic damsel in distress but she she's vaguely competent and she's never like terrified she's got a kind of pithy like casualness to all the danger yeah i do i think as well and it'll probably come up again but i i i was surprised by how like female sexuality positive the film was like yeah she kind of just shrugs and goes yeah okay and then after that it's like it's almost her 
whenever because a lot of the film is her getting knocked unconscious, ending up somewhere, and then having sex with someone. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but a lot of it was like after the first instance, it's almost like she started pushing for it, like she was the one trying to initiate. That is definitely like an element of it. Yeah. She's, when she meets the angel, and she's like. Is that your nest? Let's go. <laughs> she she hasn't she hasn't got any hang-ups about it as well. Like it, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Part, part of it is a because it's a it's set it's like a the setting is like oh the, generally we've advanced ourselves technology-wise enough for to live in some sort of utopia where we're all enlightened, and that actually sex the is a waste of time. Yes, yeah, it's like got physical it's, sex is a waste of time. And that, and then a little bit of this film is to go hey do you know what if we were in a weird utopia where we sort of bypassed human pleasure for efficiency, maybe we should go back to the old ways of just rutting for fun. Look, this oh. hairy man is going to teach you. <laughs> I, I'm taking umbrage with the term rutting. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean... Like a fucking farm animal. I mean, oh. I, am I wrong, though? Am I wrong? <laughs> right. Let's if talk I a little... Speculate on how that extraordinary hairy gentleman had sex. I would suggest that he's more of a Roger than a Rutter. I mean, <laughs> I mean, a semantic difference. Speaking of fur, not the hairy man. Her spaceship is wall to wall, like what was that? Like, what's that special carpet stuff called? Shag pile, or what's the word? Shag. Way shagpole. Let's have a bloody shagpole, am I right, guys? It's no, like apparently let's have a rut pile. Not not my words. <laughs> the spaceship is like uh, up, outside. It's a big plastic pair of pink lips or something with with extra blobules or bits on like jutty out bits. It's not really any previously existing shape, but it, it kind of resembles plasticky lips that she flies around in, which is you know. Very drag. Um, this whole thing is very drag. Um, did make me think of various drag shows that I've seen. The number of costume changes alone. Yeah. But um, inside is like it's fundamentally a very round. Like uh, it's it's not it's not got very many much much furniture. There's like a cockpit, very cockpit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a long one, isn't it? With a with a with a big weird really a, a big <laughs> a big uh, slightly oddly shaped uh, monitor I guess that's meant to be like I don't know either a monitor to it, it doesn't make sense because it's not like she's looking out into space through the window it sort of displays various colours because well, I don't know what's it supposed to show so it's got like ninety eight oh. Windows ninety eight screen savers as a visual yeah just loads of toasters <laughs> just fucking lava lamps and shit. Um, but anyway, it's got like there's like a big screen and there's like buttons, but fundamentally it's just got like uh, an old-fashioned large painting, like what was that famous one of like a dot painting near the beach. I should know, I just can't remember what it's called. But like a fairly famous painting, some miscellaneous like bits that just flap about and are colourful and, and like little grey flaps with with luminescent yellow under them for some reason, and then a big ass ornamental Skype mirror. Not mirror, like Skype video sculpture? What else was in that like spaceship? Nothing else, really. There was the computer who I was trying to find out 
who voiced um, is it Alfie? A L P H Y, and I could not find anything about who the voice was. Because he dies shortly after the crash, doesn't he? He kind of burp, burp, burp out of it. I mean, he doesn't die. It just it, the ship down. kind of breaks down, and then they forget he exists. Yeah, <laughs> they just don't bring it back. But it, you know, it, the the place is mainly wall to ceiling in this horrible color. Like, what is it? Like a mustardy it's shag awful. carpet. Uh, yeah. And she also, Abby, you were going to mention it, she has a little, like when when she's sent on a mission, it's like light years away or something, so she has to go into stasis for like hundreds of years, so she pops herself in a little see-through bed or something, what would you, what would you, you mentioned it, Abby, what, what would, how would you describe what she does? Well, yeah, she just sleeps on a piece of soft plastic, not unlike, like, it gives like a sort of hammock would, but she's not got a pillow, she's not got a blanket, she's well, we've got not a... got anything. Especially as she's surrounded by all that lovely looking carpet to sleep on. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. know. <laughs> and she's often in sort of plastic, partially see-through clothes, lying down on partially see-through plastic bedding and there's lots of like, oh look uh, at yeah. the boobs through the thing. <laughs> I I did I related to her whenever she said uh, wake me up in 154 hours. Uh, <laughs> my favourite sci-fi touch was when she came out of it and had travelled to the destination. She had to drink some kind of pink drink as if that was something to get her up and running again. And she next it is like, like Ribena. Oh, but more more calpoly than that. So I don't know. <laughs> But like she drank it and went, oh bloody hell! Like I like yeah. the fact that it's like, yeah, if you, I like the concept of if you have to go through hundreds of years of stasis traveling through space, and then you got oh fuck, the stuff that makes you feel right is bunging. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> oh, just the look she gave it. They didn't make a big fuss. It was just there you go, little sci-fi touch to give you some, like you know, cool ideas about what life is like in the future, and then move on. So I, you know, I thought it was. It was a weird. It was a fucking weird. It's. A, I liked how original it was, but it made no sense. <laughs> the spaceship, and then it crashed, so it was fucked out of the story pretty quickly. Yeah, this. This was where. Um, whenever she comes, like she walks out onto this ice planet that she's crashed on, or at least partially ice planet. I don't know, the planet itself is very vaguely established mm. in terms of like what kind of environments, because there's ice, but there's also an underground labyrinth that then is not underground, and then the city is on top of it, or something. Yeah. But um, there there was a sequence here, because so far I was like, okay, this isn't... Uh, this, I was, I was expecting this to be worse, and so far it's okay. And then she meets those kids... And then yeah. there's more kids, and then there's the dolls. And I mean, I, Christ! I was watching this with, I was watching this with headphones on, and I was like, I don't know if I can fucking, my head's gonna explode, from <laughs> the abs, the grating, abysmal sound design. Right. Why do their whips make screaming children? Screaming noises. <laughs> fucking, ugh. Yeah, and I mean it's such a lot of weirdness so quickly, like it's uh, it's so what is happening? Uh, Anthony, the dolls were terrifying as well. 
Yeah. Before, mm. Yes, the dolls. But don't forget that they got there on an alien pulled sled. <laughs> oh no my reason. god! Like a was it like a sting like a giant alien manta ray or stingray or something? Um, sort of yeah. plastic stingray with a horn. Yeah, because if you give something a horn, it makes it spacey, doesn't it? You know. And the fucking music whenever they're riding around on it. Oh yeah, this was the point where I was like, I might have to just give up on this. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, that was the moment where I was like, yes, this is the film for me. <laughs> this is the film. I think yeah. that says something about your and Jamie's different character. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I was, like, I was in as soon as the, the floaty space business was happening. And then as soon as every, everything they added to it, I was like, this is brilliant. I have, no, I have genuinely never watched a film where I have n- utterly no idea what's happening next. Like, everything that happened was like, well, I couldn't have guessed. Because <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, it's it's quite a weird, horrific thing to happen at the start. Um, I, I was going to ask you, Anthony, because I know you're a, a horror fan, as I guess Jamie is as well, particularly. But uh, in terms of horror, how did the children kidnapping you and then feeding you to their metal teeth dolls in a tiny cage grab you as like t- as a horror concept? Well, I I was actually surprised throughout the whole film. They have a lot of like little horror touches mm. where I feel like if this film didn't go for campy, if this could have been like the birth of weird psychedelic body horror. Because um, uh, it's not just that. I mean, anytime you have weird sinister dolls, it's always creepy. Mm. Uh, and I thought it was quite effective here. they weird snapping metal teeth. But there's other bits later on, like when they go to the labyrinth and you see like the people oh, kind yeah. of half embedded in the walls, um, and like uh, like a suicide chamber later on. Yeah. Um, and like the weird, <laughs> the weird bit with the birds trying to kill her. Yeah, there's lots um, of bits like like that are just horrific and terrifying, aren't there? Hmm. And it, it was the first one was a surprise because it had or it it had been so campy and weird so far and then you're suddenly thrown into this like really extreme kind of like horror situation yeah and that's the thing because it it's still campy and a little bit lo-fi so it doesn't have a genuine mm. threat to it it's just sort of a bit nasty <laughs> just like oh mm. I think these horrid children are having are being torturing a sexy woman the dolls, at least, I think that lo-fi feel is does sort of add to them, especially the close-up shots of like their mouths, like snapping open and closed, mm. closed with the really sharp metal teeth in them. It really yeah. is like. Ugh. <laughs> Plus, they got the disconcerting like twins who possibly speak French or some alien language, and she's trying to trans. She's trying to get her translator working, and. Tongue box. Yeah, <laughs> her tongue but lovely. Uh, yeah, but she... And she... Also, I just want to say points for the horror bingo card there, where it's like, oh, Creeper Twins, in, calls, yep. in. Uh, yeah, it's got, it's got nah. a bit of everything, isn't it? And then they throw in, like, just without reference, there's just some blue rabbits in the, just hopping around just to make it I... weirder. So I odd. I was wondering whose job it was to dye the rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> The, the rabbit dyer, of course. <laughs> every film has a rabbit dyer. Oh, a Danny dyer as well. Every film should have a Danny dyer. Um, <laughs> they also, like one other scene, there was just like in in the city, they're getting 
uh, the 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 characters are being attacked, mugged, and or raped, and there's just they 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 are rescued or escape, and then there's just some fucking owls in the background. Because why not? Just put some owls in. Don't even draw attention to them. There's a couple of owls or models of owls sitting there because it's a weird place. Like, all the time, the background would just have stuff going on. Like, there was one bit, I nearly forgot it happened. I was like, oh, Barbarella just wanders into a room at some point with a bunch of pe- people with a giant hookah pipe. With a, Like, it's basically a giant, everyone's doing a giant bong with someone swimming in it. This, and it's just like, what the man. fuck is... Yeah, just this, what do they call it? They're smoking, like, man juice yes. or something. Essence of man, was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that and that's that's just incidental. There's just like weird bohemians and like a bald lady, and they're all just like, yeah, have a toke on the man juice, you know? Just what was I in there for? Don't know. Don't forget, like the the woman kind of like suspended with someone just kind of like holding fire underneath her. Yeah. Like, what was that about? There's there's so many I can't even name all the weird things that weren't definitely a part of the plot that we saw and had no context for. I love that it made it just such a rich and confusing universe. It gave it it gave it a questionable depth that you you just I don't know I could watch three or four more different films that aren't about Barbarella in this world just to find out what else goes mm. on. Uh, but Abby, I know, I know you're probably a big fan of the guy who came to the rescue in Doll Attack Child Ice Cave Scenario One. Do you want to enlighten us? I'm trying to think of a way to describe it for listener. Hello, listener. Um, Rat poops imagine... comes to mind. <laughs> right. Remember back in the Avengers with Steed, not. Iron Man, and you had all the ones dressed as bears. Well, Imagine if they were a little more realistic, but he no. didn't bother to wear the head. That is essentially what he was wearing. Just a big old onesie. He looked more like a merkin the... than that. He looked like a ratty, like just offcuts of wigs glued to print stick to a man. And then the man, the, the guy had like quite like slightly gold tinted beard and hair, did he? I don't remember. But he was also a, a, a child catcher who lives in the wild? Because the city of Sogo throws out its children and then collects them later to be citizens. Yeah. That. Can't help you. And his, <laughs> the thing he... And he is accompanied by a leather man, which is... A, like, they have leather robots with these weird screaming whips that have been mentioned. And they're, they're kind completely of hollow. The hollow dominatrix looking leather robot. I mean when people say, Oh, like such and such, but on acid, this is just <laughs> on acid. Just acid. Acid all the way through. What the fuck like what are these concepts? They're just like one on top of the other, like baffling and terrifying. What was the guy's I mean when it Gone. Whenever you you've essentially got a film made in the sixties based on a comic drawn, you know, m- probably mostly one-handed <laughs> so, <laughs> by a French by French perverts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Christ. But it's properly out there. It's not just it's not just sexy. It's like crazy as well. No, but a lot of the 
things that come up do kind of go back to that. Yeah, they all they all fold into the same pastry of fetish. Like various fetishes all <laughs> folded together to make a disgusting sex pie, um, which might be my metaphor. But like this guy, I can't even describe his vehicle. He has like this, like he has these metal wheels on like a, I don't know, like a ice chariot you know, with inflatable wing blobbins. You know how when you're transporting a boat over landing, you put it onto that little rig that's got the wheels. Oh, when I'm doing that, yeah. <laughs> that is essentially <laughs> what drives all the time. So it's like a boat, except it's got it's either wheels or skates. You can't really tell. The, and it's like and he, bizarre. Get he gets, yeah, he goes across the ice with his leather robot thing. Anyway, it's some sort of bizarre contraption chariot vehicle. And inside is basically loads of furs and rugs. And there's nothing else. I mean, there's a lot of interiors that are just, oh, I guess the fur, the fur thing again. But this time it's because he's... him. Yeah, he's furry. And then under his fur claws, he's hairy. And he let, he just has a bed of furs to lie on. I think that reveal of his chest might be one of my favourite reveals of all time. <laughs> because it was just so... Oh, he's getting undressed. I thought he got undressed. Oh my god, he did get undressed. Uh, <laughs> it Hell. is fucking Robin Williams level body hair. Yeah. It's great. It's great. This guy, what's his name? Man something? Mark Hand. Mark Hand. Mark Hand. Of course. That's such a weird... That's not that weird. It's not that sci-fi a name, Mark Hand. But it is weird. <laughs> but he's... I mean, it's the Mark that crowns really <sighs> it. Yeah, Mark, Mark. What's his name? Mark Hand. Yeah. But he, so he's like a, he's a wild man come child wrangler whose job it is to sort of keep tabs on these bizarre feral children. Um, and so his, he saves Barbarella who's had all of her clothes torn up and has had little snips of her skin bitten by dolls. And so she's bleeding and torn apart, um, which becomes, there's a theme of her clothes getting torn and needing another outfit. Yes, her clothes getting torn in very strategic places. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know that she's sexy when she's bleeding. It's kind of like, oh, she's injured. I don't know if it's, I want to have... It's wanna... getting someone there. It's definitely someone's tick box, isn't it? But it, this is the first example of, okay, she's been saved by a, a, a male uh, character, and as a thank you, they they request that they have sex. Like, this guy's like, we should fuck, because... Uh, I saved you, and that's how I'd like to be. We're, we're a kind of primitive place. I don't know of your earth bullshit that you're spouting on about. I want to have sex. And he doesn't really understand the f- Barbarella's world where sex is you take a pill and you have a little touching of hands. man. Yeah. Like, you have a little, ooh. We, I mean, we get to see what that sex looks like later to comic effect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... You know, he's essentially like, no, no, I want to do like, you know, animalistic, regular shagging. And Barbarella's like, I mean, I don't know what you're going to get out of it. It's such a stupid thing that people used to do hundreds of years ago. I mean, how could it possibly be? Oh my god, I totally loved every second of it. So this is this is where, like, whenever he whenever he first says, "That's how I'd like to be repaid." I was watching this, and this was like, I was. With the you know the previous scene with the dolls and all the sounds of this film up to this point, this is I was sitting here going, oh no, this is this is just gonna get worse. This is a mm. this is a very slow 
calamity, like when you're trying to put a bunch of uh, pots and pans away and you drop one and then more start sliding out of your hands and you're like, oh god, like, I'm losing control of the situation. Like, I thought, fuck, he's gonna, he's gonna force himself on her and then it's gonna be like fucking Goldfinger where James Bond fucking rapes uh, Pussy Law so that she's a good guy. Um... That's not how it goes. Like, Jane Fonda does quite a good comedy turn of just lying there, like, go on then. <laughs> like, <laughs> disinterested. <laughs> it, it really surprised me in that it didn't end up being as fucking gross and weird as I was dreading it to be. No. Uh, yeah, but it still was. It, like, the, the, the very fact that they were like, actually, if this fuddy-duddy stuck-up woman with her modern ways... Is honest I mean, with herself. She really quite likes primitive heterosexual sex, doesn't she? Still I mean, done. it's still not a, a modern, enlightened movie or whatever. But you know, it wasn't it as awful as it could have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's the first uh, sex bartering we do, and it, that that sort of sets Barbarella up as like, oh, this sex stuff might actually be quite good. I don't mind uh, getting undressed and doing that. I, yeah. I, I think what helps is the fact that then she seems to go out and sort of pursue it. Like, the other men that she meets aren't necessarily after sex, and she's like, well, fucking, any chance now for that? (laughs) Anyway, like, let's move on to, like, the next section, I guess. Does anyone want to talk about meeting an angel? No, well, she, the guy fixes her her spaceship, because it took a man to fix it, but it fixed it badly. The spaceship fucks off and then crashes instantly into the ice, and then disappears into another realm or something? He he fixes it, but he fixes it in reverse, which means instead of flying into space, it goes underground. I'm I'm not entirely sure that's how crafts work. (laughs) Well, it's a big lips lips in the sky. Oh, who cares? They go into another bit of the map somewhere, and it doesn't make any sense geographically, because they don't—they've gone underground, and yet it's not underground. Does anyone want to discuss or explain the the labyrinth of tormented souls thing? Okay, now this, and maybe you could have predicted this, but the labyrinth is where the film really got me back on board, because I was like, this is weird and morbid, and. I like this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm coming around to this now. All the people like semi-merged with the rocks and in weird cobwebs, and the 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 guy who's like half see-through. Hmm. And mm. then it's like they're all being yeah, they're, all, they're is, all being punished for not being evil enough. Is that the right yeah, reason? Uh, they've ended up in on. They've ended up. The labyrinth is like living inside the cover of a doom metal album. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, uh, what did you make of this? What did you uh, did you understand it? You know, oh, I I don't think you should be bandying the word understand around That's... here. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but yeah, like um, it, like like Jamie said, it was like a certainly a, like a, a weird turn because. It started getting into weird, like, body horror kind of territory. And it it was just like a whole other level of fascinating to what's already been there. Yeah. Because uh, uh, every scene almost starts with a... Oh, so, like, the the fur, the fur guy was like, oh, I know, because you, you've had your clothes ripped, you could maybe wear some furs. And she takes this, like... 
I don't know, roadkill skunk claws with a long yeah. tail or neck. Oh. Sorry, Abby? I'm not sure why that man who works alone with a robot that is the shape of a large man has women's clothing. Oh, well, (laughs) all of the men seem to have just clothes lying around that would suit a sexy woman physique. Just available. I think the bad guy at the end, Duran Duran, basically is like, well, now that you've broken my sex organ machine, torture device, here's a dress on the floor amongst the corpses you could just wear. Have that. So there's a lot of flimsy excuses for why there's an outfit so yeah but she, she in the crash i get in the crash i mean she finds the tail of the dress quite awkward but after the crash she basically needs another outfit change <laughs> so once again she changes outfits i mean this happens all the time where she's oh that outfit's ruined i guess i'll change again into another weird fucking sci-fi outfit sorry anyway back to what we were trying to there's an angel at some point a blind angel anyone Pygar? Yes. Mm. I will say, you know, we there was obviously you can't talk about like the intro of the film without mentioning the fact that one of the first things that happens is Jane Fonda's boobs are just out. Sorry, did you say Jane Fonda? Jane Fonda. Okay. Speaking of boobs, Pygar's texts are very far apart, aren't they? It just did Spectacular, two giant fucking slabs. They're like paving slabs made of muscle. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen such big square pecs outside of like a comic book drawing of, of a superhero. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. It often you think of like maybe Justice League in the 90s. Superman's chest was basically taller than him, like in, <laughs> in Britain. With... That, what's the name of the guy? Rob, Rob Liefeld? The well, Liefeld, yeah, comic artist does... just draws absurd, muscular men with little, you know, pouches all over them. <laughs> yes, um, but he he was uh, he, he, this is the thing. It's a bit of equality here. We've had uh, Jane Fonda uh, naked essentially, and now it's time to have a man in a sort of diapery loincloth with giant wings. I mean, I don't know. Wings must be if another person's fetish. Or... Oh, guaranteed. Yeah, it's basically, you know, conf- like sexy blind man with wings who's... For s- I don't really understand why anything happened, so let's not worry about it. But, like, <laughs> she, he's... Oh, he's so fr- when it's a film... Hang on, when it's a film you've picked and things don't make sense... What I'm thinking of, we have... There's so much film left and we, we're barely <laughs> past the thir- first third. That I, we just I don't would- have time. I would also argue that not making sense is a conceit of the film. That yeah, is true. it's just constantly fucking with you. You don't know what's going to happen. But the point is, um, this Pygar guy is like a naked, semi-naked angel who can't doesn't fly anymore because fair enough, he is blind. Do we know why he's blind? Uh, they destroyed no. his eyes in Soho, oh, yeah. I think he said. He's having a rough, tough time because and he's... It's he can't fly because he's just lost the will, which, uh, you know, Barbarella sorts that out for him. Don't you worry if you do that. I will bang the flight back into you. <laughs> I feel like we should just have a penny whistle to be able to replace saying the same thing over and over again, and then they had a bang. A slight whistle going up is an essential part of this episode. Yeah, like, uh, all, all that really happens is this angel guy introduces, like... 
introduces himself and helps Barbarella out of being, I don't know, murdered by the leather robots or whatever. But so then she's like, well, we've established the currency in this place is sex. And I found out that regular Earth's, regular old-fashioned sex is pretty fun. So I think <laughs> I'm going to fuck you in your giant man nest. And then just cut to her in her kind of, like, in a bed of feathery... What you, what's that word for, like, grass, but it's on rocks? Moss? Moss is the word. It's like a bed of moss, isn't it? <laughs> Covering her tits. <laughs> gently. Yeah, that... I imagine that nest smells very bad. Very, very bad. <laughs> I was thinking, like, does he hold it together with his own shit, like all other birds do? Plus he's blind, yeah. so God knows what. He's, like, picking up traffic cones and needles and making his nest out of <laughs> God knows what. And, yeah, just as... But, you know, he's an alien, so it's it's all weird. Um, yeah, it's not like he's a biblical angel. He's just a winged man without any real context. Like, there are, like, uh, you know, I'm sure it's intentional, but nothing is ever really made of any of it. But there is a lot of biblical imagery in the film. Yeah. Like, he is an angel. At one point, he's sort of crucified. The whole, yeah. like, the Sogo is very obviously Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The labyrinth. And the way it like leads, like the the map painting that they use of the labyrinth leading up to Sogo is very like it's almost like a Hieronymus Bosch type of uh, look to all of it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Without explicitly bringing up religion ever, it, it does Probably. do. Yeah, well, it's, but it's not saying oh uh, uh, oh us on back on Earth we gave up Christian religion. That's such an old religion, you know. There's no mention of what people yeah, believe it or make us. Specific statement about it. it like uses a lot of the imagery. Like they mention evil, but it's because some goop that is underneath the city requires mm-hmm. evil. Mat-mos. What was the it called? Matmos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Evil goop. It's fine. I can't be remembering yeah. Matmoth. But uh, like, anyway, she bangs him, and he can. He's excited and flies afterwards, and she's like, "I'll, I'll be your eyes, and I'll like." So she, it's like. In a way, it's it's a, a her- heroic of Barbarella to be like, I'll guide you. But she's also like a woman being carried by a man who's rescuing her, and they're flying, and she's like guiding him and trying to shoot the 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 leather robot in there. I mean, is there um, a Pokemon called like Polygon or Polymath? Or, like, it's like a fucking clunky bar of soap duck Pokemon. <laughs> there is. Yes. Did the leather Polygon. robots? What's his name? Horrigon. Did the robots fly in one of those? Like, it was the weirdest shaped spaceship. <laughs> I can't... It was just, like, lumps and shapes and enough room for a couple of robots. They just fly through fucking space and get shot, you know, not quite as excited as Star Wars, but it's pretty mad. Uh, I and don't know. I kind of I kind of chewed out for this sequence and skip to some other tabs until it was over because <laughs> it's just it uh, i can't and it's not necessarily an, an actual knock against the film but i can't deal with like 60s uh like space battle like, it got very very flash gordon like like a love yeah. like it uh, hit or love flash gordon it, it was very like 
you know, Brian Blessed winged bullshit in the sky, meant to be exciting, but is actually just weird. Am I glad or disappointed that Brian Blessed wasn't in this and won one of the conquests that Barbarella... I'm glad she didn't have sex with Brian Blessed. <laughs> I think it would have God. been the additional noise. I think maybe the blind angel guy would have got on with the... Were they like a hawk man or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they would have, they would have at least gone to the same bar and been all right with each other. Um, he would such a bad influence on Pygar. Yeah, he's he's a bit too innocent, isn't he, for Brian Blessed and his uh, lot. I just, I think Abby's right. Just adding the that, the fucking foghorn that is Brian Blessed. <laughs> Barbarella's alive. <laughs> <laughs> of a film. Um. We did, or you skipped over Professor Ping. Oh, I know. Yeah. His general physicality and presence. There's not that much. Is he what? A form? Almost. He does have that Mr. Tumnus kind of feel to him. He just hangs out with all the people who are sort of stuck in the maze walls and stuff. And I, He's a professor, and he's part of the Rebel Alliance at some point, but I don't really know what he was as a character. He was a professor. He put a he put a magnifying thing on his forehead. Yeah, he was useful. Ah, he fixed the ship while she was away, didn't he? Yes, and properly. Yes. As I tell. And he didn't have to. He didn't get to have sex with her or anything. Oh, he's very old. That is a fetish that could have been ticked off. <laughs> uh, anyway, the 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 bulk of the film happens. In the city from now on, so they basically arrive in the city having fought off a few baddies, and then they're kind of walking around the quite surreal 1980s music video mall, bizarre location. Are you calling this film ahead of its time? I'm calling it baffling and hard to describe. <laughs> but I don't think there's a piece of imagery in this that I can accurately describe without misleading what it might look like, you know? Like, there's so many weird locations and sets and objects. I, I, words fail me, you know? So I, I'm trying my best. It, it felt a bit 80s and music video to me. And a lot of the people are wearing, you know, typically, like, oh, what, what do we think people in the future on alien planets would wear? Just mad shit. <laughs> Sexy, yeah. primitive... But every, also high every fashion. Woman, every woman has to show one tit, yeah. not necessarily both. What if glam rock had sex with the Romans? I don't know. You know, and... I would have not. Yeah, I. It, it's definitely visually like if you if if David Bowie walking around in full Ziggy Stardust getter, he would not have looked out of place. No. Uh, how are we faring, other guys? Like, what, where were you on the journey at this stage? We we into the sort of getting mugged by more future people. Uh, Anthony, what were you? Where were you at at this point? You obviously experienced a lot by now. Mm. Yeah, well, coming just after like the angel space fight. Um, yeah, like this. There was a bit of a drag at this point. For a little bit, not not for not for too long, um, but this was certainly like the bit where the the pacing started to go a little bit. Um, 
it was a bit odd how they kind of arrived. Like, I'll put you down in the back alley so we don't get noticed. And immediately they're like in the middle of everyone. <laughs> yeah. <looking>. yeah. <laughs> um, there was like a weird bit where like you have, you see people like looking from a balcony and then like the balcony swings open and there's people on the ground looking at her. Uh, that was, yeah. I was like, well, why were they on the ground in the first place? Why, why yeah, anything? I noticed that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think to me, what, what was it kind of broke from formula slightly. So there's a couple of bastards knock out the angel guy and, and get Barbarella, mm. and they're going to, I don't know, mug rape or something to her. And then she's rescued by an eye patch woman with weird. Uh, everyone wears weird clothes. But this eye patch <laughs> lady uh, with slightly blue hair turns up and it, it's pretty, pretty, pretty. pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this... I will say there was a moment here where the two guys uh, like take Barbarella into the uh, into the weird alley full of big bubbles, and yeah. then like throw her down, and she's like, "What do you want?" And then she what? goes, "Oh!" Like oh. she realizes, and I, 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 I like uh... because because I had like kind of connected with her at this point because of Jane Fonda's performance. I was like, oh god, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Film, please don't do this. Uh, what what is every scene eventually about? And in a way I was it was like when the woman turns up, the Cyclops uh renegade well, I don't even know. She has a weird blade and then she's someone else well, later on the... later on in the film. Yeah, it's the great tyrant. But we don't she's, we don't we don't know that disguised. she's Sure, sure. She's doing her best Jasmine, I want to be amongst the people shit. Yes. But the point is, she saves Barbarella from being raped on big inflated bags. Um, and then they have a moment of like, oh, you're very pretty, pretty. And, and then Jane Fonda's like, bitch, I am fucking more than just a pretty face. Uh, I, they kind of There's a moment of like, oh, this is the lesbian sex scene now. We've had two... Mm. heterosexual ones. This is yeah. the Barbarella thanks another she this time she thanks a woman with sex and has a <laughs> hot funny take on it. Uh but that didn't happen. She just like goes back to trying to rescue the angel guy, right? Pie face or whatever his name was. Pie yeah. I do I I was kind of surprised. I mean, I guess for when it was made and they were already, you know, gonna get an X ray thing for this. Um they were, I think they couldn't have, I guess, pushed it that far in terms of, like, having, you know, giving her a more kind of explicit, like, lesbian encounter for the for the sake of we're not gonna be, the audience. And we're not going to be that liberal. Yeah, but if they were going to do that, then they would have, um, I think, they would have had to have also put two Pygar with another guy oh, just to sure, balance not? things out. That that's maybe what it should have done. Is been a, absolutely a bisexual fuckfest and oh, just please. gone for it. Yeah. But you know what we get is essentially more bullshit, and then uh, there's some contrivance <laughs> with there's a contrivance with like there's a suicide booth. Like I don't know if it gets a bit future armory, and there's like they they escape the mob by getting into a a, a multiple choice suicide so dome. There is. I wish I could remember it now, but there is a line that the like suicide machine thing delivers about. Uh, please, you know, you may choose from three. How does it say? Like, like exciting, surprising yeah, options or something. Yeah. Like yeah, surprising and exciting options for death. <laughs> I I wish I'd like made a note of it because it was a fantastic way to describe it. 
But all, all of the doors seem to be the same option, which is just a bunch of people screaming and laughing. Actually, actually speaking of screaming, my favourite line is in this part where I think Barbarella's looking for uh, Angel Guy, and there's some there is some screaming, and she's like, uh, "What did she say?" It was like, "Oh, a good many dramatic situations begin with screaming." <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Very kind of weirdly fourth wall, I guess. But, uh, yeah, Abby, what did you, you know, Anthony suggested maybe this bit gets a bit slow. Uh, Abby, did you feel like this? we spent a long time going in circles, kind of meeting new people that the film was about or anything? You guys have spent so long going in circles, I don't know what part we're talking about. Do you know, like, in the suicide uh, machine, she's basically rescued by uh, Duran Duran under some other name. The concierge. Oh, and he's wearing you know funny clothes and there's there's just what what did you make of? Can you can you talk us through some of this element of? I don't know. It's not. It's just the, the bad guys are sort of trying to explain stuff to her and kidnap this, her. This is where they introduce the map moss, which is just like inky goo underneath the suicide thing. That, yeah. It is just sort of. Stuff. It does almost feel like they were making it up as they went along at this point. <laughs> yeah. At this point. At this point. Yeah. Well, well. Bobby, come on. Let, you you take take the reins a little bit, so we're not just all talking at you. Please help us out of this <laughs> part of the film. <laughs> well, yeah, they get rescued by the concierge, who then we already mentioned where she gets put into a cage with birds. Well, we didn't talk about it because it is fucked up. Well, yeah, Pygar gets mock-crucified, and yeah. she gets put into a cage with birds, which apparently made her very ill. Oh, um, in real life, you mean? Which leads to our yeah. favourite part, where a yes. shoot opens underneath, and she gets taken mm. down to an underground chamber with Dildano, the leader of the underground. Was was and... the, bird ca- the bird cage was literally a bird cage, but also the shape of a bird, and the, there's a bunch of canaries are released onto it to peck at her, and initially she thinks it's kind of nice, and then it's like, oh Christ, they're eating me. Is that right? <laughs> well, yes. It was a bit funny watching that, because it was just like, the birds were just like, yeah, I'm just going to sit on you or to the side and not really do anything. I mean, they must have just chucked a load of trill at uh, Jane Fonda and hope for the best. Something like that, yeah. But yeah, Abby, the, the, she does inexplicably, as as everything else, she gets rescued via sliding out of the cage down a tube into, uh, what would you call it, like the underground resistance? It's just basically a black room with big tubes and all the switches and lights and things are broken because comedy ensues. This, where this we is... Yes. David Hemmings doing his best impression to be in Monty Python. Oh yeah, yeah, this is Monty Python vibe, sure. It's the best scene of the film, like this whole sequence. It suddenly <laughs> is funny, and yeah. It, yeah, and it comes just at the right moment where it's starting to drag and then mm. you're thrown into this like weirdly overly comic scene. Yeah, you're right. It's like all this time it's it, you're kind of getting a bit fatigued by not knowing what's going to happen at this point and then it's like oh this is like comedy and it is shtick and hemmings is not just a weird character he's playing a kind of gag it's like he is the leader of the resistance 
but he's incompetent and his his cool magic switches that are meant to take people to other areas don't work and his light up map he has to hit to get it working and he's kind of like this feckless useless leader and we don't really, we people come and give him messages but fundamentally he's like this embarrassing resistance figure and it's like oh this is a concept and it involves shtick and like chemistry and acting and he gets the the sex scene where they use the pills that they mentioned at the start that she would ordinarily have used instead of real sex and they have that wonderful well first of all there's like twitching and their hair's going up but she also finishes first and then goes oh oh i'm sorry and then puts her yeah. hands back <laughs> it's so funny like literally it makes their, their hair curl and stick up as well oh, and just the the, the, the fact that in the middle of it. yeah the fact it gets interrupted as well but like, what was good about it as a setup is she's like, you know, oh, I I know how this works, and then he confine uh, confounds her expectations because he's like, oh yeah, okay, we'll have sex. That's fine. I like I quite like sex. And then he's like, no, 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 I want to do it with pills and human modern ways. Yeah. And it is just like, oh, and she's kind of like disappointed. <laughs> Yeah. And then it is, and then again, more women's liberation where the woman finish, like it's like you know, okay, so Barbarella, she's had a little, I guess, orgasm first, and has to bore it, like roll her eyes and wait for him to finish, while you know, while the whole Just interruption happens. The yeah. hair, the, it being represented by their hair changing shape. Was a fantastic touch. And just slightly juddering as well while they're doing it. Yeah. And just the, um. like, the, the way that David Hemmings plays it is so fucking funny. And he's he's just charming. He's the most valuable doesn't, most valuable player of this whole thing. Doesn't he, make, he makes like a weird little gasp at the end as well. He kind of goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> just, just him looking. Any time he does anything, he's like, there's a slight element of, oh, I could do this, honestly. Like, he's when he's looking for, like, the. He's looking for, like, they've, they've got, like, a, uh, a radio, a secret. He's got loads of secret things, and he's, like, got pipelines and magic doors and hidden passages, but they don't work. And he goes to get the radio to talk to uh, Professor Ping, isn't it? And he's yeah. like, oh, he's trying to look for it under the. I can't like the weird bed they were on. I don't even know what we're looking at. And then they get to do a password, and every and all of us must have been like, oh, someone spoke Welsh. Can anyone? Can anyone? Can anyone say the password? I can. I think. I mean, Jane Fonda couldn't quite do it, but they still compliment her as if she did. They fucking they the the fact that they had her say the full name of Shavai Push is cruel and unusual. <laughs> are you guys? Are no, you, I taught myself to say it back in back when I and I don't know why. Wait, I think everyone goes like didn't in primary school. Everyone just learn it as like a thing mm. that you. So who it's wants like to? It's like a little pissing contest thing. Co- like, oh, I could yeah. say it. Co- uh, Anthony, go on. You let's uh, let's hear you fucking reel it all off. Why me? Because uh, um, I want okay. to go I mean, first. I can actually say it if. Let's have let's all have a go of it, and then we can judge who said it more accurately. That's pretty spot on. I don't think I can do better. I don't know if I said all those right. It's been a while. Anthony pretty much nailed it. That's true. That's true. Avi, have you got it in the tank? I feel like I'm cheating because I looked it up while the rest of you were talking. 
<laughs> ah, but can you read Welsh properly? Like that's a different. That's a that's an entirely different skill. Llanfair pwll gwyn gyll go gerych gwyndro bwll antisilio go go go. Well, Abby, yeah. is, Abby is half English on her... Oh, actually, you're half... Well, my parents' side. Well, your dad's English and Canadian. Anyway, so we... Yeah, I think... I think... Still above me. <laughs> Jamie, do you want to have a crack? Hello. Richard Burton spin. Yeah, oh, yeah. Anfair. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's just this. Uh, it's the British longest place name ever, and it's just the. Just sounds like fucking gibberish to anyone who isn't Welsh. And such a weird joke to to make in Barbarella, fundamentally is... American film. Yeah, who is the French. joke for? That's the Ivan. Who decided to do it? I, mean, well. I feel like David Hemmings was just like, "Oh, I know this word that we all impress each other in plays when English people get together and say, oh, could you say that stupid Welsh place name?'" Uh, I was going to say he's from fucking Surrey or something. Like, I, I can't pinpoint the person whose idea it was to do this. Was it Terry Southern? He wrote the script. Yeah, I don't from? know. He's from fucking Texas. I don't know. <laughs> well, but whatever it was, every person who watches this with any knowledge of Wales or that place name is just like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, it's that's just a joke for us. You know what? Especially when you live somewhere other than Wales, every time you hear the slightest fucking mention, it is, again, to say Monty Python, it's that sketch from that one episode that I can't remember where they mention a place name and it suddenly cuts to a generic British street and... Terry Jones, I think, in you know his housewife drag, go, runs outside and goes, "They said us on the telly." <laughs> <laughs> well, he is the Welsh one of the Pythons, so yeah, it's... exactly. Like it's it's just this, it's an instinctive thing, and I think it's because Wales is so small and seemingly inconsequential yeah. that any time it's acknowledged on the world stage, you're like, "Fucking way, way!" You just produce flags out of nowhere. <laughs> I think Yay, it just bit. Ba- <laughs> in- instantly, Barbarella goes into the Welsh selection of films in my collection. There you go. In between <laughs> Twin Town, Twin Town, and Grand thing. Slam. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins will be so proud. She did that autocomplete interview with Lily Tomlin. And in retrospect, I really wish someone had asked. It's like, can she still say it? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. today. <laughs> Can she still say it? <laughs> oh. To be fair, she couldn't say it in this. Give us <laughs> <laughs> the fucking college try. Yeah, but it, it's essentially. I do, I do like um, just uh, afterwards they bring it up once more again, but they just use shorthand and they just do the go 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 bit, which is the bit that everyone knows. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, but the joke was the joke. It's fine. Um. Yeah, but like this, this whole like uh, establishing the underground resistance comes very last minute to set up a kind of a bit of conflict to help defeat the city of Gamoro type evil empire. Like I don't know, there's basically just two villains and then a bunch of people who are city dwellers who are, I guess, Again, jerks. Kind of, it sets up vague stakes and then all just sort of doesn't go anywhere because. <laughs> it doesn't have enough structure to make sense, really, does it? Yeah. So what's the so the just to just to get.
get on to the end bit and to clarify what quite goes on, essentially, uh, whoever David Hemmings is in this is Dildo, Dildo Baggins or whatever. Um, <laughs> he he sets Barbarella up with a secret passage to uh, basically get captured again. Like oh, the invisible key. Oh, she yes, brilliant. Sets up the gives her the he has the invisible key to the invisible room that this woman who runs the place. Yeah, like the, the great tyrant. Her name's the great tyrant, and it's this the maniacal or whatever it's called. So she has a dream chamber with a weird woman-shaped bed thing, uh, and she is the tyrant who runs. What's the city called again? Soho or somewhere? So so go. May as well be so. Yeah, so in in Sogo, she is the evil emperor who, I guess, is in charge of the debauchery well, in the all, town. Yeah, and there's all this there's all this exposition that sets up the idea that the city is powered by the map moss that lives underneath it, and but the map moss needs like evil deeds to feed off, which is why the city is so like hedonistic and and. Uh, weird because everyone's just indulging all of their like vices to yes. keep the city powered. Seems like a very dangerous place to live. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not the best, you know. But whatever. It's probably one step above uh, living in. No, anywhere I pick will be racist. <laughs> like I had Ammonford. a city. Sure, I can say that because no, Ammonford's, uh not. Neath is pretty. I was good. I was gonna pick a place. It's Hammondford's a fucking hole. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not. A, it's not a. It's not because of vice and debauchery. It's just shit. Nasty then. <laughs> insert whichever. Not far off the mark. Insert whichever. On fire all the time. <laughs> you could insert whichever hilarious place name city that is awful. It's anyway. The the, the point is. Okay. <laughs> Point is, it's all a bit vague. But the important thing is, what's like? How many names does she have? Two. So she's the. Sometimes she's referred to as the Black Queen. Right. But most of the time, it's the the not the Great Dictator. No, no, no. <laughs> the ter- ty- tyrant. Tyrant. Yeah, the great tyrant. And she, uh, so she, she has already met Barbarella and is aware of her because she saved her from rape or something. And now she's like, "You're going to be my prisoner or something." Or she's also trying to fuck the angel. I get a bit confused with this bit, to be honest. Well, it's more the concierge that, right? The concierge puts her in the torture fuck piano. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God! And it's. But what is her? What's the this, the Black Queen doing? She's sort of raping the angel. Yeah, she's all over the angel. He refuses her. She puts him in the in the bin or something. I don't know. I fucking there's a bit. There's definitely. The, I want to want to mention the one bit where Barbarella doesn't just fall on the ground and get kidnapped because I mean it does happen, but she manages to take the the Black Queen hostage and then. Uh, Basically, the guy notices that her gun isn't loaded. Like she's well, at the start when the the president of Earth or whatever gives her a bunch of weird weapons with like hands on them and stuff, and she's like shaped guns, cock shaped guns and hand shaped guns, and and, and like Jane Fonda's holding them and covering her breasts up with them, and just I don't know what to do with these things. I've never used weapons before, but anyway, she she tries to use her last pistol 
to take a hostage and stop things going out going awry but it doesn't work because the guy's like ah no it isn't loaded haha i'm gonna now torture you in the way i love to best with and th- this was probably my orgasm you to death exactly like this you're like okay we get there's a, a, a theme of sex running throughout this film but i my mind was blown when we had a scene where jane fonda barbarella is plonked in like a big green weird pipe organ bed that is it's a very elaborate yeah just like literally just on the set like it's a very elaborate piece of design and it's a it's you play it like a piano, and it fucks you to death. It's a sex. It's yes. a. It's a sex torture organ. I think is the closest I can get to. Yeah, I think that's the term I'd go for. The sex torture organ, Abby, as you say. And but and go on, Abby. Go on. It sort of has the same energy to it as in Tommy when he's playing that organ on wheels through the holiday park. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah no, Except that's right. Jane Fonda just having to continuously fake orgasm. Yeah, and and. And what is the greatest blow off about that is that. Apart from Jane Fonda blowing off in it. <laughs> that she's too much for it, and it explodes. It's yeah. a very, it's a very Roy Chubby Brown. Big enough myself, kind of. I'm so sexual and amazing. I've outperformed this thing. Like it's, it's very like. Shut the fuck Do, up. There is a, a subtext in this sequence that I'm sure people have written essays about that I just I didn't do that much research. But there's almost this idea that uh, the concierge is kind of it's it's like one of those old buttoned up conservative men who are like angry about attractive young women having a sexuality and sort of yeah. try and like weirdly punish them for it and mm-hmm. there is some like the fact that he breaks the machine and also a lot of the back of four shots of her you know writhing inside it and then him sort of furiously vibrating just looks like he's trying to wank a limp penis that can't get erect like it has this like weird, frustrated, older man who hates women thing going on. There's a definite, I'm playing the piano but I'm also hate-fucking you to death. And it's, yeah. and he's annoyed because it doesn't and work because Jane Fonda, Barbarella is just too, I don't know, horny or sexy and yeah. just, with the power of I can take as much sex as you can give fights back and overloads the computer and beats him and defeats him. He even says, I think, that the tubes are shriveling up. Uh, Anthony, were you, Anthony, were your t- tubes shriveling up from <laughs> this experience? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't answer that. Um, were, you, were you enjoying? Were, was were you like? Was this the crescendo that it was for me? It, <laughs> yes, it certainly was. When when you're not expecting to, for it to escalate any more. And then, and then suddenly, sex piano thing turns up. It's uh, it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I just I just wanted to make sure that you were on the same page because I, I feel like sometimes we we cover everything and then there's nothing else to say. But if there, you know, if you have anything to say about the climax, feel free to jump in <laughs> before we go steam full steam ahead. 
it was one of the few moments when usually if I have the feeling I want to throw my notes away over my right shoulder. It's because I'm absolutely infuriated and angry. But in this case, it was just like, I can't possibly write any more of this down. How can I write this in a way that makes sense? It doesn't make sense to my eyes. <laughs> That's true. So she she out-sexes this guy and defeats him. And like the piano catches fire, he's bereft because his torture device has failed. Um, which is but very... Revealed himself as Duran Duran. He also reveals his plan, and then shoves her into the invisible, into the dream chamber with yeah. the invisible key. After after this, that they were clearly really looking forward to filming. Yeah. Then, like, okay, well, we have to end it. So bring all of the plot back and just <laughs> just dump it all in and just kill everyone. Yeah, I I got a <laughs> I got a bit confused. So. We have a bit of, uh, you know, dialogue and arguing between the two women in the invisible room thing. I mean, yeah, he looks her in there because he wants to take over Sogo and then go and take over Earth with his positronic ray, which is just basically a big bunch of glowing dicks <laughs> that he uses. As a gun. But he sits in a special chair. That's fun. <laughs> He also, he also said, I, I really liked his insane laugh whenever he locked her in the chamber. And he kind of, he doesn't even, it's, it's the most maniacal laugh, I think, like, almost beyond Mark Hamill's Joker. Like, because he kind of just screams and then laughs in between it. Yes. And it, it's weird because he's been a bit of a cuck until now because he has been like, mm, I, I never got to overthrow this woman because I was just waiting, you know, like he was just kind of, he was just doing nothing. Like for, like only till Barbarella turns up and gives him, him an opportunity that he starts to do anything because he's just been a servant really within this city until now. Admittedly, he's worked his way up to the top or something, but he really could have enacted his plan before this. I suppose... Well, no, he needed to get rid of her to be able to do it. Otherwise, she'd just have him executed. What, so, what it's is the... she had the she had the invisible key, like the only way mm-hmm. to get into the energy yes. dream bucket. I don't know what it was. Some of the guffin has paid off. Dream bucket. How did the <laughs> so they have to mime the invisible key? But then, does, what happens to it to get them trapped he there? Throw, he he shoves her in there and then he throws keys away. Which is just that's into, it. yeah, that's it. And then somewhere, Wonder Woman's like, "Ah, the keys <laughs> to my jet! Brilliant! I've been needing these." <laughs> so th- then, yeah, it's basically unleash the goo on the city, and basically Angel Boy comes to the rescue of both Barbarella and the villain, I guess. Wait, well, sort of. You missed um, the part where they got out of the room. By she releases the map moss to destroy everyone because she's well pissed, mm. and then the map moss gets one taste of Barbara and it's like, Bleh! and spits her out. She's too pure. She's too pure. I did like that. I liked her line about why they survived the map moss in that Barbarella's innocence made the map moss throw them up, which is why they survived. Yeah, and what, so Barbarella's just so nice that she can't be killed by evil. Like, is that the literally the, the get out? Kind of, again, a slightly biblical vibe to it, I guess. So, yeah, but whilst all this is going on, like, everything is going mental. So you have, like, Duran Duran 
just Sandran is just goes off the deep end and just becomes very maniacal all of a sudden and starts using his positronic ray to zap all like the re- rebellion people into the fourth dimension I think it was irretrievably so essentially all the good guys die and then all the bad guys die as well because they're eaten by the Matmos and you're just left with like the protagonist the antagonist and a dead angel which comes back to life yes she pumps him like bellows with his wings <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, does it, do the, some of the characters who get shot into the fourth dimension, are they potentially in the same place that General Zod and them are imprisoned? No, that's the... Phantom Zone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Different place. Could be, though. I mean, in my mind, all of these wacky Romantic. sci-fis... Yeah, just a different name. It's like we we all you know have nicknames for places that are you know. Oh, is it Istanbul or is it Constantinople? You know, like you know, Phantom Zone, Fourth Dimension, which is essentially time. So I don't know. But yeah, it, it kind yeah. of it builds to a big crescendo. Yeah, right, right before um, right before he dies, Duran Duran's hair and his high collar. Uh, if you do a Google image search for Buzz Osborne, he looks exactly like him, and it was freaked me out. Okay, who is that? He is the singer and guitarist of the Melvins. Oh, I've heard of the Melvins, but I don't actually know visually what they look like. I guess I just need to watch like this a, film. He looks like a chunky palm tree. I just looked it up, and I can confirm yes. <laughs> Isn't a chunky palm tree another Pokemon? <laughs> like, <I> can... <laughs> um, yeah, but the, it kind of goes, oh fuck, that'll yeah, exactly. do. <laughs> it, it, the whole film kind of goes, ah bollocks, that's enough of an ending. They fly off together. It just, it doesn't matter that the villain and the hero are saved by a blind angel. We need to end this without any real getting back in a spaceship or telling the the Earth president I've succeeded or failed. We don't see the hairy suit guy again, even though she definitely promises to go back and bang him for helping fix her spaceship badly. I kind of felt like oh. short-changed by the ending a little bit. I would have liked to have heard a little bit from Alfie and the Earth president at the end just to wrap things up. You couldn't... Uh, oh, you've got new friends. Do you all want to get made for the Skype call? Great. You've got time for that. <laughs> oh, wonderful. You found Duran Duran. Is he all right? Oh, he's dead. Oh, never mind. And it ends with the weirdest line. An angel has no memory. Like, I don't... Is that supposed to relate to anything? It's very sad. Well, I don't know what... I, I, I've... Normally, I would say, I would say, oh, I no, I don't think that's got anything to do with angel law. But I watched me and Abby watched a film called Michael, where John Travolta is a schlu- a schlubby angel, and they make up angel rules fast and loose. Uh, nothing makes any sense. I fucking hated it, by the way. But every every bit of angel information they bring up is just complete nonsensical gibberish so maybe angels just have make up your own fucking rules to them i don't sorry, know uh, now that you've brought up michael starring john travolta i have my own verbal glitches to get over which is also <laughs> <laughs> oh 
that's my review of it. Seriously, no, no one ever watched Michael. It's infuriatingly like arbitrary. Everything that happens is just oh, I don't know. Any old shit will do for a comedy, and it's just oh, it infuriated me. And it, it just it, an angel is a concept. It does have rules and biblical references, and yet apparently you can just make up whatever you want. Like it's fucking Twilight with vampires. Oh, I guess they just fucking have diamond skin and move really fast now. That's established vampire law. Oh, angels, they don't have memories and are blind. And what the fuck? <laughs> like, oh, sorry, I'm just getting wound up about angels now. <laughs> anyway, that's Barbarella, I guess. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it ended, even if I have had finished multiple times in the film. <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, the film did. And with more of a, huh? Than a, you know, <laughs> a, a exclamation mark. Um... Yeah, but it was fucking hell of a ride, guys. I, I, I That's why I brought it to the table, is because it was like, what the fuck was this? And I think I liked it because it was so... I've never seen anything so creatively baffling. Like, so much time and effort went into props and visuals and being absolutely... It was the most alien thing I've ever seen. And it's good, because it's a sci-fi. It's set in another time in another place. And it just... It, it, you know, it, Doctor Who could take notes from... Just get fucking weird and probably, let's be honest, a bit sexier. But just be alien. Have everything was physical and there and filmed and mad, and that's what I really liked about it. Um, I'll struggle now to think of a metaphor. But any uh, anyone else in agreement or disagreement on that point? I I am pretty much where you are, Rich. I enjoyed the whole ride of it. I I I do like weird inexplicable campy stuff so this really fit in into my corner there was uh i was ex- i was expecting more sex exploitation from it given its like um reputation mm. but there wasn't really like it didn't go too far at any point where it was, yeah um and uh, jb mentioned music at the beginning which i don't think he liked but i i loved Mm. I think it tied like the whole thing together. <laughs> it it adds another layer of bafflement to it and campy joy. Yeah, and inexplicable as it was, I it I, I just loved it. Yeah, I I don't know if you've got have you got a metaphor? S- sort of. It's like it, it's sort of like seeing a lava lamp for the first time. <laughs> Or being, no, un- being like... underwhelmed at how shit they are. <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of like some some kind of sixties psychedelic kitsch where you you know, it's very much of its time and you don't quite understand it, but it is very fascinating to look at. Maybe like a lava lamp with a man floating in it and then a bunch of weird what? women smoking the lava lamp. <laughs> It's a little bit more mental than anything. Yeah, no, definitely very, very 60s and very out there. Yeah. Um, I thought of a quick metaphor for myself So before I pass to... Uh, I think I'm going to pass to you, Abby, if you're still awake. Mm-hmm. Uh, my metaphor is quite simple. It's the combination of a kaleidoscope and a flashlight. It's a little bit dirty <laughs> and incredibly oh, visually striking. And it's, it's just the... Yeah, it's the... 
the psychedelic visuals mixed in with a bit of dirtiness. While the Listening to what? This, how does flashlight kaleidoscope work? Don't, Don't question. Ask him to <laughs> explain it. One, but you put you put <laughs> one. Else the other end? Yeah, one, one. You look in. You look in one end. end. Yeah, your friend watches it with you, and they stick their bits in the flashlight, and you look in and you twist and arouse them and look at the light. Also, you see an image of their penis coming at you in a million different configurations. Yeah, and then they you swap over. They put their tit in it, and they sort of twirl it around. I don't know. Don't question. Like Abby, Abby was right to try and cut you off, but uh, you failed. The worst metaphor I think you've ever used. <laughs> flesh, <laughs> flashlight, combined with a te- uh, what would it be called? A collider. You, do you have a pun? Do you have a pun? <laughs> Collider... Cocklightoscope. Cocklightoscope, yeah. Yeah, cocklightoscope. Done. Dusted. Abby. You know the bit in Animal House where they're getting stoned with that lecturer who's played by Donald Sutherland and they say that there could be a universe inside your fingernail? Yes. This is the other conversation that they had while they were high... <laughs> kite and at least two of them were horny bastards this is you've got one person the lecturer who is a little bit more of an intellectual but then you have students as the other people in the room so it dances this weird line of being horny occasionally slightly more intellectual but mostly it doesn't make any sense because you're all here's a kite because you have the the religious imagery, which is the professor, and then you have all the tits, which is the horny students. And then everyone's sort of reading Flash Gordon comic books for inspiration. Just throw yes. that in there. Which may be the correct era as well. Flash Gordon is definitely in a universe that could meet this. Like, they definitely could hook up for a, a And this a, is somewhere sequel. between Flash Gordon and Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean the in Animal House that was set in the fifties. So it might oh, right. if if the comic was out then oh, then this is the yeah. It's a very have. Flash Gordon's a very old comic, yeah. So this is anyone no one's seen I don't think it was like directly ba- like this took this the filmmakers of this made up their own shit. It wasn't just, oh let's do an adaptation. It was just but let's I, do um... some weird sexy sci fi shit, you know? The writer of the comic was involved, but he did yeah. say that by the end it wasn't like they did things differently to how he would have done. But that's always the case with adaptations. Mm. I um I did just Google the comic just to like look at it and see where the inspiration came from, and it was kind of, it was kind of what I expected. It was just old school sci-fi, but with like boobs drawn in it. Um, Ralph Bakshi would have enjoyed it. Oh my god! Um, but it was there was something that uh, I did find on IMDb that was interesting. That in the comic there was no Duran Duran or Death Ray. The city was built around a monster that belched gas through a series of ducts. So. So your mum. That's like when they changed it in the Watchmen, so it wasn't like the octopus. Yeah, but in The Watchmen it made more sense when they changed it. True. 
Uh, okay, Jamie, do you have a last thought come metaphor? It, well, I don't have any come metaphors. You took care of that one. Um, <laughs> no worries. But I... It, it wasn't as awful as I was expecting. <laughs> like, I like... was kind of expecting to be... I think I was expecting to have to sort of just be depressed in talking about how gross and exploitative this film was and was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't just that. You know, it's clearly dated in a lot of ways, Mm. but was surprisingly less... I don't know, it was less exploitative than I thought it was going to be. Because uh, some people do kind of almost sell it on that aspect. It definitely um, isn't Valley of the Ultra Vixen, Vixens, you know? It isn't, yes. like, dirty porn bullshit. But it is a little bit of that. Yeah. And it also isn't the, it, you know, the fucking grating awfulness of, like, a carry-on film. And I think I do think a lot of it is Jane Fonda brings a lot of charisma to it. She's charismatic, um, and therefore it gets given a quality that it perhaps wouldn't have achieved if it had just been someone else. Actor in her role, if they had cast someone who was literally just there, you know, to get their tits out and be sexy, it would have been a, like, it it wouldn't work. It doesn't work for me, I think, as well as it does for everyone else, but I think that's just, I'm not a huge fan of, like, campy 60s films. It's like when I watched all the James Bond movies and after, like, the third one, I was just like, fucking, this is... Oh, God, this is a nightmare. Mm. Um, but I can, you know... I it, it is definitely one of the examples of... This is what people are talking about when they say a cult movie. In yeah. the same way that, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is, or one of the Evil Dead films, you know, especially one of the first two. Like, it's in that kind of campy but there's something else going on it's not just it's basically candy if candy was good yeah and a set in space or something For forbidden um, planet forbidden candy I don't know I don't have a metaphor exactly but there, the scene in the film that kind of sums it up is that scene where they're all lying around smoking the giant hookah with the guy floating in it yeah like it's just that it, that's that's this aspect of the 60s. Just sort of laid back, freaky, sexy and weird. Oh yeah, women lounging around smoking a naked man floating in what is ostensibly a big lava lamp cooker thing. Um, another, another kind of way to summarise the film... Uh, again, it requires a Google image search, but there's, there's an old webcomic that was called Three Word Phrase... Um, and if you Google three word phrase question marks, it's a screenshot from one of the comics of a facial expression that I think about sums up how I felt throughout most of the film. If we could somehow maybe attach it to the page when the podcast goes up, maybe just instead of a description, it would probably sum it up. I mean, yeah, as I... as as hell metaphors go, it is fucking niche and useless. <laughs> Well, Anthony, can you confirm? Can you confirm, Jamie's right or not? I I see what he means. <laughs> okay. I mean, I sent it to everyone, so good. Maybe we put an addendum on the on the episode. Just-
to... Yeah, just a lot of extra hard work, because you couldn't come up with a pithy way to say it. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you fucking cockleidoscope. You're a cockleidoscope. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's that time of the podcast again, where we're going to be wrestled into the sky by a muscly angel and flapped off into another universe... Or some such. Just join us again for another pleasant chat about a film. That's all. All I'm trying to do is is put a full stop on the podcast, guys, because we've talked too long about Barbarella. I feel shameful and dirty. Uh, <laughs> you were especially masculine and dirty-minded <laughs> in this one. Well, I have to readdress the balance of all you queers. What are you on about? I didn't talk about Jane Fonda's naked body all that much. You talked about coming at least six times, I would say. Yeah, but a lot of it was because the film prompted conversations of that nature. But bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I could just cut off on him <laughs> saying goodbye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ba-ba-la-la, ba-ba-la-la, ba-ba-la-la.